Hey there, how you doing all you slashers and survivor girls? Welcome to the first episode of season two on the Creepin' a Real Horror Cast. I'm the uh, that good buddy Lunchbox, if you didn't know by now. And I'm Meg. Yay. And welcome everybody. To this month's theme, the Summer of Blood. Yeah, this is our uh, our first and our new way of recording with the you know just just the, our theme months. Like so, uh, we kind of went with the I felt like low hanging fruit, but it's I'm good with it. Like it's Meh. yeah, I'm all, I'm all about you know summer fun. I mean, we live in Florida, and uh, yeah, I hate the heat, so it's it's I'm. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I on. keep telling you we can move to New Hampshire. I'm fine with it. And you're just like, <laughs> me, I don't want to. Yeah. So we're just going to bitch about the heat instead. Yeah. So. You know, like Floridians do. Um, but before we get into that, real quick bit of housekeeping. Um, follow us on social media, Instagram and Facebook, at Creepin' It Real. R-E-E-L is a movie reel. And if you have anything you'd like to contribute to the podcast, if there is a movie you want us to hear us rate, review, or roast... Email us at creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. And then buy some stuff at our Redbubble page. All the merch is there. Um, One-of-a-kind unique designs created by Mr. Lunchbox. Creepinitreal.redbubble.com. Yep. For all the good good. Yeah, you get all types of, you know, just a number of t-shirts and hoodies, sweaters. They have dresses. They have skirts. Um, you can get bath mats, mug, like, I mean, like, there's so yep. much on the site, and yep. it's all really good quality stuff, so definitely check it out. Um, I know that if you download the Redbubble app, I th- believe uh, you get about 30% off your first order, um, and they run, you know, special promotions and things like that all the time on everything, you know, just, they, they kind of run through different different sales so i mean it's always good to just kind of have the app and then you know keep on tabs with that because hey who likes who doesn't like saving money i mean i i do i'm i'm greek so i'm cheap as hell yeah so yeah but uh so this is our first movie for the summer of blood and uh my dear mag you picked this one didn't you i reached back into middle school for i know what you did last summer yeah uh this one was fun. This, uh... <laughs> Do you want to say it with a little bit more enthusiasm? <laughs> this one was fun. This one is riding that second wave <laughs> slasher 2.0 post-Scream thing in the late 90s. Yeah, I feel like Scream was definitely the, the benchmark for... It was like a re- horror rebirth with Scream. Yeah. Um, and then it's like everything that kind of followed it, it just... it. It either fell flat or it tried to copy it, and it just like it was. It was a weird time. Um, there well, was, was a lot of it was also geared towards teenagers because that was Scream's target demographic was like yeah. the high school set, which is the normal slasher demographic. It's like high school college kids. Yeah, that's who you're aiming at. Some just do it better than it's others. It's just hilarious when we watch you know a lot of these movies back, and we see it's like where you can like timestamp. You know, oh, with, so with, bad. With, but with like a product or it's like, um, like there's a couple or a of soundtrack. Yeah. But I mean, it's like, uh, some of my favorite things is like when we watch a, like 
a movie and we see them use like an old school computer and you can see where it's like the old like black and green DOS and I'm like, oh my god, what are they using? Mm. Ew. That's so gross. It's a dinosaur. Yeah, it's it's really, really funny. Or it's like uh there was one movie that I forget which movie it was, but uh they were using like the old Nokia's and like the Nokia phones and I'm like, oh my God those poor people. No, like, no, <laughs> no. Because as a user of iPhone and assorted other smartphones now, I would kill for a Nokia because those things are bulletproof. You could drop it in the pool. You could drop it on the sidewalk. You can run it over with your car and you'd still be able to use it. Yeah, and I guess you could play, you know, what was it, like Centipede or... Something like that. Yeah. You could do that on your Texas Instruments uh, computer. Uh, yeah, but you can't, you know, call anybody on your Texas Instrument. Whatever, but, man. <laughs> but still, there is something to say where it's like I do enjoy, you know, kind of jumping in the into the time machine and seeing, like, where there is a bit of a dated thing. And it, it maybe not with, like, like products or, you know, or like uh, there's a couple of more ones, like, where you can see, like, the Bell South logo, and it's like, holy shit, like, that dates it. Yeah. But um, also, too, like, the fashion. Like, I like watching a lot of these, like, the 2000s, because I'm like, holy crap, I dress like that. And then you, think about, that. And you think about it, and you're like, ooh, I dress like that. Oh, yeah, I did the weird gel spiky hair where I made, like, the needles and did the Chester Bington, like, yeah, it was not... It it was a lot of gel and it was I was not, I mean we all yeah. do some things. It's yeah. fine. It's not permanent. It's I loved just... Wayne Static, so it's like my hair went straight up. <laughs> yeah, this one, um I'm always happy to jump in the nostalgia machine for some nineties goodness. And this one had it all. I know what you did what I know what you did last summer it came out on October seventeenth, nineteen ninety seven. It was made for a budget of about seventeen million and it grossed hundred and twenty five point six million thereabouts. Um, it was written by Kevin Williamson, directed by Jim Gillespie. It starred Jennifer Love Hewitt as Julie, Sarah Michelle Gellar as Helen, Ryan Phillippe as Barry, Freddie Prince Jr. as Ray, Muse Watson as Ben, Anne Heche as Melissa, and Johnny Galecki as Max. Um, the A couple of notable things about this one is, and this one, much like Scream, is it got all of the hot 90s teen actors, like all of them. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, this is uh, coming on, I think she's about to start season three of Buffy, um, or season two of Buffy, and Jennifer Love Hewitt had already been on Party of Five for a couple of years, uh, Ryan Phillippe and Freddie Prince Jr. were just about to become the new, like, faces of Tiger Beat, um, and Johnny Galecki had already been kicking around for a while because he was a child star in the 80s with um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And uh, Roseanne. And Roseanne. Yep. Um, however, one notable thing about this one is that Kevin Williamson, the writer, he was also the writer on Scream. Um, and when I was doing some research on this movie, on I Know What You Did Last Summer, um, he had this written first. It was based on a novel, um, but it wasn't until Wes Craven decided to pick up Scream, and I think it was Miramax that picked that one up. Um, Scream is what allowed him to get, I know what you did last summer, Greenlit. Yeah. Um, because that one did so well. Um, however, because of the order of on which things came out, this was considered sort of a rip-off of Scream in terms of slasher, even though it was written first. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's still one of those things where it's like, you can write something, but it, yeah, I mean, if it's not created first... Yeah. It, ain't, it ain't coming out. For, like, it ain't first. Um, it's true. So, I mean, it's like... It's weird because, as we said, when 
Yeah, it's like with Scream, it's like you had like those that that you know run in with all those you know movies that either try to uh, kind of piggyback onto it, and this movie, I felt like it it tried to do its own thing with that urban legend. Yes, and that was actually really cool because it is it's your very typical urban legend uh, kind of scenario, and then. Uh, and then, then they try. Then they gave it like a little bit of a of a of a twist, and then the urban legend kind of was thrown out the door. Uh, but I like that the the killer kind of set it up in that way, oh, or uh, not even the killer. The killer didn't set it up in that way. The kids did. The kids did. Like it was all in, in their heads, yeah. and so they that, were. That, it was the was it was the comparing of campfire campfire stories of like the fisherman with the hook um this takes place in a fictional seaside town called southport north carolina kevin williamson seems to have a soft spot for the mid-atlantic because dawson's creek was also set in north carolina um i think scream was set in the mid-atlantic somewhere so like a lot of his stuff i don't know if he's from north carolina or if he's from that area but he seems to really love just putting... I don't know, it's like Stephen King with Maine. Yeah, I was about to say that, yeah. Yeah, it's like right what you know about. So he probably came from a little fishing town on the East Coast. And that's what he knows. Um, which is fine. I didn't... In terms of what Williamson's work, I like his theatrical work. I love Scream. I like this movie. But I did not care for Dawson's Creek. I don't know if it was because I was just outside the window. I think I was... No, I wasn't. I was in seventh grade when it came out. So I was right in the pocket. But the yeah. pseudo-intellectual WB thing was not for me. And I, I never watched it. I was too busy watching Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon. and Yeah, well, yeah. All, the, all the girls in my middle school were like, Ooh, Dawson Pacey, Dawson Pacey. I'm like, yeah, I guess. I, I yeah. didn't. That was not in my wheelhouse for mm, sure. Nope. But there was a there was a lot going on with this film, um, but I think some of my you know favorites is uh, you know Sarah Michelle Gellar like she is pretty damn awesome and it's like the whole time it's Buffy it's, it, that's where I'm like I was like oh my god like I absolutely love. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like, that is such a fantastic show. You got me hooked on to it. Um, at first, I was just like, okay, it's, it's a little... I was like, all right, it's, you know, it's like, okay, what is this? Like, I, you know... Team I, Vampire I, I, Yeah, I was like, all right, it's, yeah, Team you know, team Vampire. And this is like, I think we started watching, like, we got into the seasons uh, because you worked at Movie Stop and were able to get the box sets by that time, you know, pretty cheap. And so that's when we actually got into it. And this is right when... The perks I, of working at a video store. Yeah, I believe, like, when Twilight was kind of going on. It was before that, was but... It? Yeah, no, um, I've, I've always watched Buffy. I've been watching Buffy since I was in high school, but no, it's just... No, but when you got me to watch it, it yeah. was around that time. And I was just like, great, like, uh, you know, more teen vampire dramas. And then I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And it's like, Xander's amazing, Willow's you know one of my favorites um and, and who doesn't love giles and giles yeah it's like it's so amazing so the whole time i'm watching this movie i'm like she better kick the shit out of somebody quick and i'm like oh wait she's running away and she like, didn't she played the exact yeah. opposite of buffy um which was strange because we've come to know her in that role because she did that show for six or seven years yeah but the fact <laughs> waiting of, for a funny quip and then i kick to the face nope that was not her at all she played uh 
she played a beauty queen and who was a bit of a princess. She thought she was going to go to New York City and work in soap operas and marry her high school sweetheart. And she had this whole, prior to um, the uh, hit and run, she had her whole life a pretty picture painted and post hit and run, that is not what happened. The characters were interesting. Um, some of them were the teen prototypes. Ryan Phillippe came on hard, a little too strong, if you ask me, in uh, the douchebag Barry role. You know, he was the all-American quarterbacky type, and he was dating the beauty queen, and it was Barry and Helen. <laughs> but I was just like, "What? Do you have to turn the douche on so strong? Like I, you could have been a little more I swear to God, if he was going to start screaming, "I'm stressed," he'd be bozo. Like he was it, pretty close. It was, yeah. He was pretty, pretty bad. I mean, but I, I can understand, uh, you know, his kind of the way the way he thinks. But at the same time, it's yeah, it's just that uber uber douche and just. It was a little too much of a stereotype. Yeah, he was um, he was a walking bang in a in a you know in a Tommy Hilfiger sweater. <laughs> yeah. It yeah he you know preppy rich kid. Um, then there was Ray Freddie Prince Jr.'s character who was our. I guess our hero, but he was a little bland. There wasn't, I mean, he was pleasant and he was nice to look at. Easy, yeah, he's easy on the eyes. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't, in terms of Ray, the character, he didn't offer a lot. He in, was there. Yeah, he was around. Um, uh, and then you had, to round out the, the group of four, the four victims, uh, was Julie, played by Jennifer Love Hewitt. Uh, she was, again, kind of that survivor girl final girl archetype where she's the good she's a bit of the good girl um she's not gonna be making waves with anybody she was a straight-a student yeah she decided to lose her virginity the night of the accident but um that i mean that didn't play a role in anything i think it just yeah it made it harder for her to trust ray after he was like no we really should just dump the body um, I think the the physical connection made it more painful yeah. for her. Well, let's uh, all right. So let's go through the scenario of what actually happened. Right. So it's the Fourth of July, um, which uh, hey, it's Fourth of July week. Hey, holy crap! <laughs> we did totally did not. That plan was that. an accident. <laughs> so happy accidents here on Creepin' and Real. Yeah, it was just the Fourth of July a few days ago. Cool. Um, but anyway, so yeah, 4th of July weekend, it's a big to do with fireworks and they have the pageant and it's like a whole Southport really like does it up. Um, plus they have like a whole fishing festival thing that I think is really cool as a Cape Cotter. I think that's pretty fun. Um, that's really neat. And I really like the crown that Helen had that like mermaid looking crown with like the sparkles and the star fit. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I like this, this town was uh like a fishing town but it's like for some reason like i didn't see like north carolina out of it i, f- I felt it was more of like like your northern it was like, more like maine it maine, felt more like yeah. maine yeah like bar harbor or something like yeah. that um it, martha's vineyard yeah kind of more of that um it just felt old it felt lived in the setting was again as a cape cotter anytime i see like ye old fishing setting i'm like oh it makes me so happy i was waiting for quint to walk by yeah i mean there was a lot of quints on that dock and um (laughs) it was just you know 
fishing village, everybody worked at the docks. If yeah. you were a man and you needed a job, you were working on the docks. Um, but they were doing up 4th of July, and, you know, Helen had just gotten crowned as, uh, you know, at that beauty pageant. And she and Barry and Julie and Ray were like, all right, let's go to the beach and we'll go get drunk and do the typical teenage thing. But it was on the way back. Ray, I guess, was the DD, but it was on the way back home when they were taking a pretty windy road and Barry was being really fucking stupid. Yeah, they... Uh, Hanging out of the moonroof. Yeah, like, he, he was, like, he, uh, he was drinking in the back, he was making out with... Um, with Helen. With Helen, and then he decides that he's going to do this, the, like, oh, yeah, like, I'm just living free and being me, and he's, like, he's got his bottle of, you know, alcohol, and he, like, gets out of the moonroof, and he does the woo, and just that, I'm king of the world thing, and then all of a sudden... Drops the bottle. He accidentally drops the bottle in Ray's lap, and, you know, it spills everywhere, and then in that moment where he spills something, Ray happens to look up last minute and there's a person in the middle of the road and yeah. he run, runs him right over. Yeah. Um, for those of you that are, I mean, anybody who's listening to this episode is obviously familiar with the movie. Um, also, it's 22 years old. So if you haven't seen it, shame on you. The, the crux of the whole thing is the girls... Are like we should probably go to the police and talk to somebody so get this guy some help. Is he dead? Is he not dead? And the boys, especially Barry, is like, nah, dump the body and run. No, well, and Barry's gonna... Barry's like, we got to dump the body and run because we got too much riding on our lives. Like yeah. this is going to ruin us. We're gonna we're gonna be put in jail. Yeah. Ray is like, I haven't been drinking, but I'm covered in alcohol. They're not gonna believe me that I wasn't drinking. And then on top of that... It's uh, still vehicular manslaughter, whether it was an accident or not. Yeah, and then, you know, Barry's, uh, like, he's like, oh, my dad's going to be, like, super pissed at me. And his beamer was crunched in the front. Yeah, and so he's like, oh, well, I, I was, you know, like, we weren't supposed to be drinking, and it's like, you know, this is my dad's car. Um, typical rich kid. But, um... No, but, that was his car, but it was a brand new car. Okay. It was a nineteen. Oh, I thought he said it was his dad's car. No, it was his okay. car, but it was given to him. It was a 1997 BMW because he's got a fuckload of money. Yeah. He comes from money. Yeah. So, but that was the thing was like, so he was, and on, on top of that, you know, uh, Helen, she's got all these plans for her life and she even says like, yeah, we need to, we need to dump the body. But then it turns around. Uh, Julie's with the only Julie. one who's really like, we really need to talk to somebody. Is he actually dead? Yeah, I don't we, know what's going on. You know, like we need, we, like let's check his wallet and find out his name. And like Barry's like, no, just fucking dump him. Yeah. Like we just leave him. Like it's just let's go. But then yeah. out of nowhere to like really escalate things up. Um, He's not dead. No, but what was his um, Ben? Ben. Uh, no, what was the uh, um, Gillespie's? Um, oh. Johnny, Max. Max drives by. Now, Max is got a serious liking for Julie. He's super crushing hard. And He's like, also kind of a creep. While they're in a me. weird way, like, I saw him as, like, the nerd, but then, like, he was kind of getting a little pushy so it's like he didn't have that like nerdy vibe and and again this is coming right off of i mean we're huge 
Big Bang Theory fan, so it's like seeing I've Leonard. A, and, I've, yeah, but I've been a fan of Johnny Galecki for like 30 years. Like it's since I almost since how old was I when I first started watching Roseanne? It's probably not even 30 years, but like yeah. close 25 or so. Eight. I was like eight. So like I've been a fan of his for a really long time, and he's always he seems to have been typecast as like the soft spoken nerdy type because he's very small for a man. Um, but to see him in that sort of creep role where he's not very nice and he's very pushy, he's playing that quote unquote nice guy where he's the douche that would hold the door for you and then be like, Oh, Hey, can I get your phone number? And then when you tell him, no, the total incel type, yeah. when you ask for, and you tell him, no, I'm not giving you my phone number just cause you did something nice for me. He's like, you bitch, you whore. Bleh. Well, see, I didn't think it like, I didn't, I didn't see it that extreme. I think it's cause I'm a girl. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see it as that extreme. Um, I, but there was times where it's like because he goes up to Julie and he's trying to like, hey, like you know, like, like let like let me take you, let me take you out somewhere, or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Barry walk like walks up and interrupts him. And in a weird way, it's like he was either helping Ray out because Julie and Ray are together. Yeah. Barry just kind of just interrupted him and then turns around and starts being a dick to Max. That's where I saw Max as kind of being like the nice nerdy guy that can't get the girl. And then it turns around where it's like, oh, Ray. It, like, it was a little confusing it, that way. But um, It didn't know. All right, let's push, 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 push pause on the, the hit and run for a second because yeah. I think this is important. The dynamic between Barry and Ray, or I'm sorry, D- Barry and Max. That scene um, with where uh, Max is coming on to Julie and Barry interrupts the whole thing. I think that just sets up that the two of them, Barry and Max, have had friction forever. Yeah. Like, they just, they'll never see eye to eye. Barry's the rich kid. Max is the blue-collar kid. A little bit nerdy. A little bit quiet. Max is, or uh, Barry's loud. I got money. And he's not afraid to throw it around. Yeah. And he's kind of a bully. Um, so... You get the idea that they've had friction for a long time because every interaction they have is a negative one. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it sets it sets you up for Max to be just that, you know, typical like, oh, it's a, it's the good guy, you know, not being able to get the girl, and then later on, after the group has hit the, you know, gone through the hit and run, and they're trying to figure out like what to do with the body. Um, out of nowhere, they see a, a vehicle pulling up, and they're like, "Oh shit, it's Max!" And so they put the body over the side of the you know, the guardrail, and Barry is pretending to be throwing up. Helen is, you know, you know, patting his back, and then Julie walks up to, you know, Max's vehicle, and he's like, "Hey, like, what's going on? Like, you guys okay? Like." And he's, he's just talking with her, and then he's, and she's like, "Oh yeah, you know he, you know Barry, you know he just got sick, yeah, a little too much." And he's like, "Oh," and he like looks back, and he sees the big ass dent in the in the hood of the car. He's like, "Oh," he then like he's having a, a you know that too, you know too good of a time now, or yeah, and, just making a crack about drinking and driving. Yeah, and, and again because he's got the friction with Barry, he's, he's making a crack at it. But then out of nowhere, Ray comes up to try and. In a in a way, push Max off like, oh, everything's okay, like we got it, and like, and whatever. So he's like, oh, hey, like Ray goes up to Max and he's like, hey, Ma-, like, hey, Max, how you doing? And then Max gives him the biggest shade ever. Like, it's he's awful just- <laughs> because 
you get the setup that Barry and Max have issues, but Ray's like you don't get the impression that Ray. Maybe it's a guilt by association thing, but Ray was nothing but nice to Max, and Max was just like, "Ew." Yeah, well, it, it was because Ray was with the girl that he, you know, he wanted. And but I think part of it too is because Ray is jealousy. And- the jealousy part because of Julie, but I think it's also because Ray was the blue collar kid who somehow got in with the rich kids, and I think Max might have yeah. been a little bit salty about that just because. It's like you're you're pretending. Yeah. Well, and like, and he's like, so he's Ray walks up and he's like, "Hey, Max, like, how's it going?" And, and, and I forget what, what he actually says to him, but he basically is like, "It's like, ah, you know what? They're like, fuck you, rich kids." It's just like, and then it's like, "All right, man. Well, well, have a good night." And it's just like, he's trying See not. To, he's not trying. He's trying not to cause friction so that Max will leave, but it's just like Max gives him just so much shit and it's just hilarious like for ray just to be like all right man like cool like yeah and what's hilarious is that like i know why ray was doing it but it's funny because that's how i handle negative people is i like i mean i've played I've, hockey for, i've heard you do it like in with rude people in grocery stores you'd be like have a blessed day yeah like I, <laughs> I i sit there and i throw the nicest thing i could possibly throw at them because then that pisses them off even more because they're wanting that negative reaction yeah. out of you like i mean i i've played hockey you know uh you know my whole life and there's times where i'm like sitting in front of the net and if i like piss somebody off i turn Turn around, I'm like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Like, you doing okay? Man, I'm going to go out for tacos. I love tacos. Do you love tacos? And I just start trying to have a conversation like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> they like start slashing me and stuff because I'm just talking about weird shit. Like, hey, man, have you seen hair like poodles? These things are crazy. The hair's all fluffy. And it's just like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's like, so I love doing stuff like that. But yeah, like there's, there was um times when, uh. Uh, what was it like? I think there was one where I was at. Oh, I, it was I was trying to do uh, a meatless uh, regiment where you know just trying to change my diet up and things like that. So I was in the the you know the vet the Morning Star vet you know frozen veggie aisle, um, you know just looking at all the stuff and like this guy came up and like just started giving me shit, and I just turned around. And I was trying to be as positive as I could, and he was just like he was wanting an argument out of me, and I was like I just would not let him have it so i was like i really enjoyed that ray did that because like that's how i would have handled that situation i'm like all right man have a good night but yeah it's like i right. like but yeah for me it would have been like yeah god bless like because you're southern <laughs> or bless your heart yeah uh yeah the max thing was interesting the dynamic between all the characters was really cool um back to the hit and run uh essentially like long story short on that is Ben wasn't dead. Like, the guy they hit on the road... Well, he didn't know it was Ben at the time. But the guy they hit on the road wasn't dead. And they're like, we'll just dump the body, we'll just dump the body. So when they get him up to the dock to dump him in the water, he grabs... Like, he wakes up and he grabs the crown off of Helen's head and they still push him in the water. And they're essentially like, we'll just... We'll kill him now anyway. Because now he can go... He's alive. He can go to the cops. Like, it just keeps escalating and gets worse. So not only are the, is the guilt of, oh, God, we hit a man with a car weighing on them, it grows into, oh, God, we might have, I think we actually, like, 
killed him proper because we dropped him in the water and left him there um, to die. And the movie fast forwards a year to that. So you're going um, July 4th the following year and Julie's in college. She's failing. She looks like hell. Um, She's tired. Her hair is greasy. She's very pale. Um, You can see like her guilt and her feelings on this have really manifested themselves physically because when you see her at the beginning of the movie, she's bubbly, she's happy, she's Jennifer Love Hewitt, like, as you always see her in every picture of Jennifer Love Hewitt ever. And then when you fast forward a year, it's like you need a shower and a nap. Like, she just looked awful. She was moody. She was depressed. She was failing her classes. She's going home for the summer. Um... When we meet up with Helen again, all of her dreams of going to New York and becoming a soap actress are dead. She's working in her family's uh, department store in town, Shivers Department Store or whatever it was called. Um, Barry was supposed to go on to like a big Ivy League college on a scholarship. That didn't happen either. He was living at home, just basically just bumming off his parents. He was doing shit. And then Ray was supposed to go to, Bo- uh, go to Boston, I think. Um, to go to like journalism school or something, and uh, he was working on the docks. Yeah. And Julie, Julie had dumped him. She had cut off contact with everybody. Every all four of them basically just like splintered off. Yeah, and it was weird because it seemed like they were like really good friends and really close friends. Um, well, Helen and Julie did. Ray and. Barry, I think they tolerated each other. Yeah, I think it was more because Ray was with Julie and then Barry was with Helen. Helen and Julie were really good friends. And then that kind of like the boys kind of became in a weird like somewhat friends because they were dating the girls. That I, were, you know. I would say there was like a friendly tolerance with each other because they came from very different backgrounds. Um, but they weren't different enough that it was going to cause a real serious issue. Yeah. They definitely did not scream like best buddies at all, though. Yeah, like the you know, there was no connection with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and it actually played out too later on in the movie because when the group kind of comes back, uh, Julie is given a letter. It's a like a handwritten letter that just says. I know what you did. I know. They put the name of the they thing the in the thing. thing. Because yeah. I know what you did last summer. It's like they put the name of the movie in the movie. Uh, yeah. And I always love when they do things I know. like that. It's so lame, though, that I... It's a lame... It's a total cheap pop. But I, I love it every time. Yeah. It's really bad. And it's... Like, there's things about that little little gesture that intrigues me. Because... The killer had to know exactly where Julie went. Mm-hmm. Like, he must have did some type of hunting and, you know, just figuring things out to send it to her. She moved or, you know, went off to college in a different area. So he had to find, like, so she he got had the to, letter he had to in know. her dorm. Yeah. And yeah. He, he had to know when she was coming home and everything else. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more here yeah. in a minute. I kind of just want to talk about like the character dynamics just for another uh, minute longer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we'll get into, obviously, the best part of the whole movie is like the killer stuff. We have, 
so we talked about Max, we talked about the core four, but it seems like there was always somebody else kind of causing a bit of friction. Um, Helen had her older sister who was managing uh, the family department store. And throughout the entire movie, there was like just an unnecessary amount of shit piled onto Helen from her sister Elsa. And I, and I so can't... So mean. Like, it makes me smile every single time I see her because um, I forget her name um, and it's going to drive me crazy. But she played the love interest in Happy, or not Happy Gilmore, um, in Billy Madison. Mm-hmm. And she was also Sonya Blade in Mortal Kombat. So there's a lot of love there, huh? Yeah, every like, and so every time I see her, I'm like, it just makes me smile. And strange enough, I think she's she's, she's really pretty. really pretty. But but she's nasty in this movie. She she's is. mean. She can get nasty, and I, I I enjoy her that with that because there is times where she, the, in certain movies where she'll have like a really sweet streak, but a lot of times like she'll have like a sass to her. And it, it really works. But she plays a mean girl really well. And yeah. it's just one of those where I think she was... A, I think there's a bit of jealousy between Elsa and Helen. I think there's a little bit, uh, you know, where Elsa had to work for everything. And Helen was just sort of like skating by on her looks. I think there was a bit of that uh, uh, kind of an issue. Um, I think there was a lot of that... I mean, it's the older sibling, younger sibling dynamic. It's like, oh, the baby gets away with all this stuff. The baby gets to do all this other thing, and I'm busting my ass up here, and no one's paying attention. Um, but it's she's also Elsa's not afraid to kick a dog when it's down either. Like when Helen is kind of depressed and she's dealing with tr- the guilt of all of this. Obviously, Helen's not talking about any of it, but. Like, her demeanor is totally different, and she's holding herself different. She's behaving differently. But it never once dawned on Elsa to be like, is there something wrong? Like, what's going on? It was just a constant, like, you better get your shit together because I'm tired of dealing with you all the time. Um, We talked a little bit about Max, uh, the blue-collar kid who just hates the rich kids. And I went to school with a lot of those. Like, I was the weirdo in high school who kind of got on with – I could get along with anybody, even though I wasn't actively trying to be friends with anyone, but I wasn't popular either. I kind of faded into the background. But um, my junior and senior year, I, I made friends with a couple of the really, like, really pretty, really popular girls because we were in the same, um, uh, I went to a technical high school. We were in the same shop together. And um, we got really close. And I, all of my friends from before were just kind of like, Ew, like, how can you be friends with her? This girl's such a bitch. She's this, she's that. Like, they didn't know her. They didn't know them. Um, they were just, it was just constant jealousy. And I always feel like the misfit kids kind of make up a story in their head. And I think Max seemed, I mean, Barry was an ass. But, like, I think Max made up a lot of this friction. Like, he was the one who was immediately on the defensive yeah, just it, by having Barry in the room. Yeah, and, like, I think it was. I think it was more because... Ray was with Julie. Like, that. that's what I think was... You think it's it, more of the jealousy of the That's Julie what thing? I think it was, is because he really wanted Julie, and he felt like he really had a chance with her, but because she was with Ray, it was just that, like, it was a jealousy thing. Um, but then also, too, it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, well, 
because you're friends with Barry, like you're automatically like, like you're in the you're in the dick level yeah, as well. Even even though that wasn't the case with Ray, it was just guilt by association, like I mentioned before. Yeah. Um, but we all so we got Helen's sister and we get Max, but we don't really have anything. Ray, we just get a little bit of the background. It's like, oh, poor kid got lucky kind of deal. Um, well, like his he, his issue comes later with Missy. Yeah. Um, it's just there's a there's a lot of, of layers going on here. And then there's a few things that start happening where it kind of starts to come unraveled and not make a whole lot of sense. But we will get to all of that. And the best part, the kills after the break. All right. And we are back. Uh, so the first half of the movie does a great job of setting up the characters, us getting to know them. It sets the chain of events in motion. And then the second half of the movie, well, things start playing out some of it starts to lose me a little um there's a very the very obvious setup at the end for a sequel um there's a few things where i kind of just feel like some of the characters were just set up to be potential red herrings and it's done very poorly the red herring thing's not done well um max for instance is set up as a potential red herring um because he's jealous and he saw them that night and um that was not done well at all. Um, well, I didn't mind that too much just because it's like the the kids are – so Julie gets the letter um, at – like while she's at, at school and it, and it you know, it makes her all shooken um, because she, she – She done shooken. She shooken. And so she's freaking out the whole, uh, the whole time and then when she actually gets into town – she immediately wants to go and try and find Helen because she knows that she got this letter. And it's not it, – there's no address. There's no nothing on it. It just, it just showed up and Yeah, it just said there. Julie James on the front. So she, they, she goes to Helen and then they're like, well, have you talked to anybody else? And they're like, all right, let's go find Barry. They go and find Asshat. And yeah, he'll, he, he'll be ass hat from here on. Yeah, and then he like just turned around. And he's just like trying to brush it off, and he's just like, "It's just like me being stupid," and like you could have done a whole bunch of other things. But um, they then turn around, and he's like, "Oh, Max was the only one that saw us out there that night, so it has to be him." Yeah, the only reason Max really exists in this movie is to be a potential red herring. He serves no yeah. other purpose, and to up the body count no but that's what i'm saying is like with matt like like thinking that it was max it does make sense because it's like he was the only one out there so it you just know, it just wasn't done very well it was just a very it, it was, was kind of slapdash it was weak for yeah. sure and then but i didn't mind it it was, and then, it was weird um ray was the potential red herring because he was the you know he was the the thing that didn't belong in the the group of um with helen julie and barry um, and they're like, oh, well, it has to be you. It has to be you. And I'm like, why the fuck would it be Ray? Like, it didn't make sense to finger him at all on this because, like, there was no indicator that he had any issue with what they were doing. There was no indicator. Like, he, he was, he jumped up and defended Barry. And his, he's like, no, he's probably done Yeah, body. his demeanor was very much, like, he buckled. And yeah. he, like, so he would, 
kind of do with whatever anybody else, you know, said to do because he was kind of coward and didn't want to really stick up for himself or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like, so when the kids were going to go dump the body, you know, Ray was like, yeah, I think it's a good idea. And then Julie, like, that's where, like, she automatically goes into this, she was like, with them. she's like, are you kidding me? Like, like, you're not going to stick up for me. You're not going to, you know, t- you know, try and see my side. Well, you're just going to, like... Ray was set bad. up as being a bit... Ray was set up as being a bit wussy in the beginning anyway because it was Barry that got it between Julie and Max, not Ray. Like, anytime um, it, it came, like, there was potential for friction or trouble, yeah. Ray was kind of... He wasn't there. Yeah. But to point the finger at him and be like, well, you've got to be the killer, the only thing that would have potentially made uh, that work and again this is weak as hell is um he didn't get a letter initially he was like the last one to get anything out of it um and because he worked on the docks he looked just like all the other fishermen in town they all had the black raincoat the black hat and it's just sort of like uh i'm like that's all they have to be like oh it was, it was a weak version of what was done so successfully in Scream with Billy and Stu. Yep. Like, that was really, really well done. It's like, oh, it's like, oh, was it one of these guys? Um, it was the same thing with Jamie Kennedy's character. It's like, uh, it really could have been any of them. And there were really strong reasons as to why it could have been any of them. And there were clues dropped and those sorts of things. With Ray, it was not... Great. So, like, Max and Ray were the two potential red herrings in this. And uh, then they were... Julie had been doing some research and she found out that there was a, a, a person named Danny Egan who um, had died that same week and um, they thought it was him. It's like, oh, the man we killed, his name is Danny Egan, blah, blah, blah. And of course, Barry's like, I don't want to hear about it. But Julie kept digging. Um, we'll come to find out that the Danny Egan character, which was supposed to be sort of the other sleight of hand thing, it's like, no, he just committed suicide. I mean, he's not, we only see this Danny Egan person on screen for a couple minutes, like right at the very beginning in the cold open, but that's it. I'm like, all of the potential like killers, the reasoning is super, super weak and it doesn't hold together very well for me anyway. Yeah, there's the Danny Egan thing I thought was a good direction for them to go in. But do you think it was done well though? Like I, I think it was sort of, sort of a half-assed attempt at something. There, it was, it was a weird, weird half-assed way to do a Scooby-Doo segment, because it, surprisingly, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prinze Jr. are both in Scooby-Doo, um, and in Buffy they call the gang the Scooby <laughs> Gang. Scooby Gang. The um, but yeah, no, like Sarah Michelle Gellar is. Daphne and Freddie Prince Jr.'s Freddie. Um, so, <laughs> Jinkies. For, so this was Jinkies. That's some foreshadowing, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, so uh, Julie and Helen decide that they are going to find uh, Danny Egan's, uh, you know, existing family. It's just a sister, Missy. And she lives out in the boons. Or like in just in the kind of the the, the poor side of town, and um, it was just a real rural area. She, yeah. she lived on some acreage, but there was nothing nothing in the area. But it kind of gave me like um, like kind of like 
Texas Chainsaw, like just that that backwoods, like we're like oh we're gonna do all of our own hunting and I'm I'm gonna you know clean and skin my kills and stuff like that. Like they got a section to do that in, and then it's like oh but we're also gonna hang our clothes you know like right next to it and mm-hmm. like where, there there was a lot where of where we're like draining the kill of blood and stuff. Yeah, like there there was there was like it felt like there was a lot of that, um, but when they get there. I I would have had so many red flags. It was it would have made me sick. But like it was just one of those like. So the girls get there to the house and they walk up and they're trying to. They're looking through windows. Trying they're like they knock on the door and they're you know trying to get someone to answer. But then uh, Julie decides that she's just gonna try and like go through the window. And then that's when yeah was it it was Missy Missy, yeah. Missy when Missy comes around the corner she's like excuse me how you doing and then she's like oh hi like like our car broke down like and I'm like are you fucking kidding me get the hell off my lawn like yeah, are you I, I, you were trying to get in my window like why would you do that if yeah. you were trying like if you're come on it was all really weak um, I think that's probably gonna be the the running word for this one is weak. But Missy still invites them in. Is like, okay, yeah, you can use my phone to call AAA. And Helen sort of like fakes a phone call, and uh, you know, in the time before cell phones. Um, oh, let's make some tea. Let's have some like, talking. And they got to chatting, and uh, they were trying to just sort of rope Missy into talking about her brother, like yeah. on her own. And that felt so awkward and yeah. it didn't feel natural where it's nope. like oh yeah our car broke down but i'm gonna ask you a bunch of really in-depth questions and missy like she's just like i we don't get a whole lot of visitors right here so i'm just gonna just jabber jaw with the first person i see and it just felt like you're asking a lot of really deep questions for yeah. someone that i'm just meeting for the first time right who just needed to use my phone yeah and like um, <laughs> so they were they were pushing on that and then Missy starts talking about the funeral and about this boy named Billy, Billy Blue, who showed up and it's like, Yeah, you know, we were sweet on each other for a little while and then he kinda it was like a summer, like a little fling romance thing, and then off Billy went and they kind of parted ways and it was fine. But um they're like, Oh, well maybe it's it was like, Oh, well maybe Missy is the killer and I'm like, No, no. no. And then it was like, well, maybe this Billy Blue person's the killer. And I'm like, all right, we're getting into the third act of the movie. It is kind of late to be introducing a new potential suspect. <laughs> like, that's not going to work either. Like, it was just, they were, Williamson and Gillespie were trying so hard to do the sleight of hand thing with the killer that it all just fell apart and it, all it did was feel like trying too hard for me. It yeah. It wasn't great. There was, um, and when we actually get to the killer, it's somebody that we've, like... We never met him. Never met the guy. So random. And it's a little little confusing, but uh, let's actually talk about the killer. All right, so... Oh, Ben. Yeah. He so, was actually a great killer. I want to start with that. I thought he was a good killer. Uh, okay. Um, so he was shown in the shadows quite a bit. So they really play with the lighting and 
uh, he had a very supernatural, like, way about him. Um, there was or, definitely or, or, a vibe. It, it felt like, like they were trying to do that, uh, like, later on, like, like, with, like, Michael Myers, like, in the later movies where it's, like, oh, like, he can't be stopped or he's just, like, or, or like, Jason where it's, like, there's just an un, like an unstoppable force, and it's kind of like a supernatural. Sure, but they didn't do that in the first movie with those guys. It was like they'd been ki- killed, quote unquote, or shot no, a few times for but that to feel. The that way, way that they set up the the movie with the kids, where it's like where they're at the campfire and they're they're telling the story of you know the lovers lane and the hook and like they're trying to figure out because everyone's got their own version of the story. It's the same story, but it's. You know, so they're setting that up. It's detail differences. So later on, after they hit the the guy on the road and they you know dump the body and all you know Bob's your uncle, um, they turn around and they automatically as the audience you have that image in your head because you see uh, Max, uh, he's confronted by Barry. And, you know, Barry, like, threatens him and says, oh, I'll, I'll fucking kill you if you, you know, come around. But, you know, and Max has no idea what's going on. Well, Max has got the, the fish hook. And so he's, you know, he puts it on this block of ice and then walks away, grabs a fish. And he's, like, you know, talking under his breath like Yosemite Sam. And, <laughs> and then he throws the fish down and then the hook's gone. And you're like, okay, well, that means that the killer was you know, was around there because, you know, hooked there, not there. Now, with this, like, as the audience, you're like, oh, great, it's it's that story. It's the hook, it's the man with the hook. Yeah, like, it's the that's, fisherman guy, yeah. It's the fisherman. And so I thought that was a really interesting way to set it up because this was just a fisherman. That's all he was. Like, he was no more, no less than just... A fisherman, and it just happened to turn around where it's like he, the weapon of choice was a big ass fish hook that they used to bring in their catch. Pretty simple, but I like in a weird way that concept of them telling the story and then the audience members automatically having that image in their head yeah. throughout the movie. The seed was planted already, and I I thought that was that was really cool. However, it's like once we got into the actual like the when we find out what like who the killer is and things like that, it's kind of a letdown and it's it, it kind of deflates yeah. the balloon a little well, bit. Well, we see him in the beginning like yep. we see him when they drop him in the water and Barry, you know, he's got Helen's crown and she's freaking out about it. So Barry goes into the water to get it. We see his face. And when they're looking for, and this is why the Danny Egan thing falls so flat and it really doesn't work, is because they're looking for, like, a 22-year-old. And this man is very clearly in his 40s. Like, the picture we see, the man they hit, it's like, oh, okay, well, why would a 22-year-old look so aged? Yeah, and he's got a tattoo, and Danny didn't have a tattoo. Um, And so that's where they're they're starting, like, they're like, oh, crap, we got the wrong guy. But um, the one thing that I thought was <laughs> there's was, there's was one scene that was kind of funny. So Barry 
decides that he is going to join Helen during the Fourth of uh, July parade. She, as the form, you know, the the, the, the previous the outgoing queen, has to be, uh, you know, at, in the parade, you know, sitting and waving, all that stuff. And so, but she doesn't feel safe. So Barry joins her on the float, and he's kind of keeping an eye out. And at this point, they know that there is. The killer is in uh, the the rain slicker and like he is a it's a fisherman. Yeah. So they know that that's what he looks like. So they're unfortunately every third man in the crowd is also wearing that rain. And they're coat and all hat. wearing the same goddamn thing. Like that is the only rain slicker that you could ever buy in this town is a black one. And they're all wearing like it's just they're. It's not raining. It's not like. You could. They don't. They don't need to wear that. Like that's yeah. not what that's made for. And it doesn't make sense for them to do it because it's the Fourth of July. And granted, coastal North Carolina is not going to get that hot, but it gets hot enough that you're not going to need a raincoat. The sun's out, so they have a bunch of guys in thick black rubber at a parade and, clapping and just like, "Hey, look yeah, at the parade!" Like that doesn't There's make a sense. Band. If you see, if you got a killer with a painted skull face, and you're in Mexico City during like Dia de los Muertos weekend, and like every other person has is dancing around and moving around, and they're all painted up and stuff like that, that makes sense. Like, but the setting didn't work for the way that these people were dressed, unless yeah. that was just sort of like. This is just normally what I wear, but it's like doesn't make sense unless you're on the dock and it's actually like, raining. Dude, like, yeah, I mean, it's like, oh, we just came from off the boat to this, but at the same time, it's you like take your jacket he's, off. He's got, yeah, that's the thing is like, and there was there was way too many guys, and they were setting that up to be like, oh, like uh, the, it like, could oh, be anybody. it could be this guy, it could be that guy, it could be this guy, and then like it turned out where the killer is in his rain slicker and he's got the hook. And as but he's up in a balcony, he's not even down on the no. ground with anybody. And he's just like, but then like Helen is going past, and he just kind of like lifts the hook up, and you're like, oh, there he is. But then she's Where's like, Waldo? yeah, she's like freaking out the whole time, and it's just like, it's just really funny to see that. Where it's it's a parade with all these men wearing the the same goddamn rain slicker, and it's like there's way too many of them to be doing that, and that that kind of killed it. But um. There were times uh, that was pretty interesting, and it was one time that made me really laugh because um, all I could think about was a scary movie. I know. It's so hard not to think about a scary movie when watching this thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's terrible. So the scene where uh, Helen has to basically give up her crown. Like, she is the former queen so uh, she's sitting down, and it's hilarious because before, like, she was, like, super bubbly and just, you know, I'm going to do so much in my life. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to do this, 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 And then all of a sudden, like, now she's, like, sitting down watching all these girls, and it's just like... She's not wanting to be there. That's what I was like. Like, you could just see it on her face, like... That's terrible. Oh, this is awful. Like, these these girls are terrible. But then uh, Barry is up in the balcony, kind of keeping an eye out, uh, you know, just to make sure things are safe. And then out of nowhere, the killer shows up behind her and... Behind Barry. Or behind Barry. And then, you know, guts him. 
And then the whole time, Helen is, like, freaking out, and, and I keep, like, all I can think about is scary movie in that scene where she's like, I'm going to do a dramatic scene. And then she's oh, my God, there's a killer behind him. Oh, my God, he's killing him. Like, clapping. Like, oh, this is great. Yeah. This is, she's really good. I know, it's just like, so hard not to do that. But yeah. that scene doesn't, that scene's terrible, too. It doesn't make sense either because Helen is, like, trying to run down the aisle to get to Barry, and the whole crowd of people is like, are you okay? And they like hold her there. They stop her. Yeah, they they like they gang up on her and they make this like crowd that she can't. But move why through. would you do that? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Do. People don't behave that way. No, and like so, but then uh, the sheriff like shows up and he's like, "Hey, like what's going on?" And she's like, "There's a killer up there and Barry, like he's dead." And they go up there and, and there's no body. And so the sheriff's like. Why are you wasting my time? The sheriff was terrible, too. Yeah. Every horror movie's got a horrible cop. But like, he wasn't that's just dumb. A, yeah. he, it wasn't a dumb cop. He was a useless cop. Yeah. Like, how dare you make me do my job? Yeah. And What? On the 4th of July, I was eating a sausage. Jesus but Christ. But he was just looking around like a cursory glance. Like... Well, there's all of these boxes here. There's, like, no attempt to move anything. Yeah. He didn't no... pull out his flashlight. Like, nothing. Yeah. Like, it was there just was no like, peeking Ooh. around corners. He kind of just stood up at the top. Like, almost, like, he just barely gets off the landing, looks around, and goes, you're wasting my time. Yeah. And then, uh, but then that kind of also sets up Helen because she's like, I know he's there. Like, I saw, you know, Barry being killed. And then, it like, the one scene that I actually felt was a pretty decent like horror movie setup was Helen's death because yeah. that one was like the the killer is hunting her down and he actually travels uh quite a quite a ways they, they ch- he chases her through town yeah. the, the one one of the real major things that this movie does successfully is Helen's death and this is a lot the one scene that a lot of people point to in this movie when they're talking about it because, uh, like, I, I actually wrote some notes down about it because of how well it was done. Um, yeah, the killer was kind of doing the, like, um, the Leslie Vernon stock walk through town chasing her down. Um, but essentially, like, she's running through the department store. She's trying to hide. Uh, she's trying to, like, get into something. Um, there's one scene where she gets to the department store and she's banging on the door and she's just begging well, for her sister to let her in, but her sister's like covering all the mannequins in plastic, like big plastic sheets. Yeah. Um, and the killer gets in through the back door. He kills Elsa, but what we see is like Helen is in a basically a sea of plastic sheeted mannequins, and you can kind of tell which one the killer's under, and I think she sees it too. She's like, I think that's him, and then he like. It's still a bit of a cool jump scare, though, because it, like, bursts out of the plastic, and you're kind of like, Bleh! Like, yeah. even though you see it coming. Um, um, one thing, too, was that didn't the actual scene start where she's in the cop car, and the yeah. killer the killer smashes the window, and, like, so, uh, like, if he no, killed... No, he didn't smash the window. She did. She oh, kicked that's the right. window out, but... Um, but didn't he, he kill the cop? He barricaded... The main street, so they had to go down this alley, and the cops like, "Well, I guess I'll just go." That's this right, way. yeah. Like, yeah, she's in the cop car. They're driving around, and then yeah, there's the barricade where it's like, as a cop, don't you think you could just? But nothing was going 
on. There was literally, the street was empty. <laughs> he couldn't get out and go, let me, give me a second. I'm going to go move this. No, he's like, well, I'll turn down this alleyway. Yeah, so he set it up so Ugh. that, yeah, and that, like, so he went down the alleyway, and then the, the killer ends up uh, taking out the cop, and then my, she- I'm sorry, officer, my car won't start. Whatever shall I do? Yeah. Another case of sheer luck. Yeah. That's a plan that only works if you're lucky. So she ends up busting out the like because she's in the back seat of this cop car where you can't unlock the the doors, mm-hmm. and so the killers come in. She busts the window out, which is very impressive because you're not supposed to be able to do that either. Um, I wonder what shoes she was wearing. She kicked the window out. Yeah, and she's in heels, and so mm-hmm. she ends up. That's when she books it, and as she's running, like that's when she gets to. Uh, her family's uh, store. And that scene is really cool just because it's like, yeah, she's banging on the window and like you can see the, the killer slowly walking up. Yeah, they're, they're hitting all of the classic like slasher tropes. It's sort of like, let's just throw them all in there. There's the guy under the blanket and then there's the stalking and then there's the chasing and the hiding and the going upstairs and the falling the down. Day. And just like... They, they hit, they ticked all yeah. of the chase boxes. But the one thing about that was like, so the sister, Elsa is, you know, putting all the stuff on the mannequins and then Helen's like banging on the door, like, let me in, let me in. And it's just that, all like, right, I'll it's just that, yeah, keys. like, all right. The fact that your sister is freaking out and you're just like, all right, hold on, give me a goddamn second. And it's like, yeah, yeah, she's like she fumbling with the keys and then she goes and she's like, adjust something and then like she's like oh i can't figure out what key it is and then like last second she opens the door and like shuts it and then she's like what's going on like what are you being ridiculous for and then like helen's like there's a killer like you gotta go like go and or she didn't say there's a killer she's like there's somebody after me go and lock the back door and then that's when yeah Yeah, elsa gets it but it's just it's really Elsa's terrible. Like, it's like your sister is clearly in a panic, and she's like, someone is chasing me. Someone is chasing me. Please open the door. And you're like, fine. Yeah, it's like, Like, thanks for the inconvenience, sis. Um, And Elsa gets it, but then there's, like, the whole chase through the store, which is really pretty cool. But what I think is key about Helen's chase and death, this is really the only scene they actually go through that amount of drama to get it done. Like, everybody else gets picked off Pretty, with very yeah. little fanfare. Like, there's not a whole lot of work on yeah, his part. Yeah, no, it's just like he just kind of shows up and does the does the job. And But Helen really yeah. made him work for it. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about uh, Helen is it actually gives you hope that she might get away. Because she's turning a corner, like, she's running through the streets. She's turning a corner down an alley. And you hear the fireworks. You see the fireworks. You're getting to where, like, oh, great, there's people, the parade, and all this other stuff. Like is finishing up at that end, which is a really long-ass parade because it was, like, middle of the afternoon when it started, and it's, like, dark as... It's full dark now. Like, it's such a... Yeah. How long does this thing go on for? But there's where there's fireworks, that means there's people. So she's just, like, you get this feeling of, oh, she might actually be able to get away. And then she doesn't. Um, yeah, she makes it, like, just to the edge of the parade, and there's, like, this, like, pile of tires... And the killer comes out of the shadows and takes her and, like, you know, takes the hook and starts to stab her as, the like, the marching band is, is walking yeah, by so about hear, maybe, like, 20, 30 feet away from her. So, she was so close. And that's yeah. the biggest, like, that, that, that kill, Helen's 
kill in the movie is probably the one that hurts the most because you kind of had a little bit of that hope that maybe she was getting out because she was so fucking close. Yeah. And they, they, the camera shot is really cool because you see, uh, you know, the killer snag Helen from behind and then, you know, the camera shot goes from the alleyway up and it's like an overhead shot, and that's where you could see the distance uh, to where the marching band, and then, and you can actually see the killer like doing the motion of the, the stabbing, um, you know, from that overhead shot, which is really really neat. Yeah, it so, was it was beautifully done um, with the fireworks, and going. she was so close to people they could, they still couldn't hear her screaming over the band and the fireworks and everything else. So um, that was probably I have to say Helen's death scene while a little long, was probably the most successful thing done in this movie. And I actually felt like... I was and trying to think effective. I was trying to think back through, like, any of the, you know, your typical, like, slasher movies, and there's not too many kills where it's, like, the girl that is going to die, not the survivor girl, but the girl that is going to die, where... It takes that long where yeah. the, the killer has – like he's running through that much and doing that uh, – putting that much effort into getting this one girl. Mm-hmm. Um, there is times where it's like there's you know uh, little things here and there where it's like, okay, well, you got to like kind of stretch out the movie. But like with this, it, it felt like it was like its own little thing. Now, I also don't know if maybe that was something in you know Sarah Michelle Gellar's – contract where or it's like like where she gets her own screen time and it's just like nah, she was know, still like, uh she hadn't been that established yet between this was like spuffy season two was about to get going and this was her first real like major movie so like she didn't have that kind of stroke that something like that would be built into her contract that's a stupid thing to have in a contract anyway because it's like if you want real screen time why are you going to sign on for that movie but i think what happened is is Casting Sarah Michelle Gellar in the Helen role, it would have been really easy to cast a girl who, as an audience member, you could very easily hate because she's like, I'm just so pretty and popular. Oh my God. But then you, but you get, but Sarah Michelle Gellar like was able to take that at the beginning and then turn it into something really earnest and something that you really started to feel attached to. Like towards the end of the, like, towards the end of Helen's run there, I started getting, like, feeling for her, and I was starting to get a little bit attached. It's just sort of like she had such big dreams, and they all kind of just fell apart, and, like... Yeah, and, and you could you could see that, and uh, it, it, it kind of, in, sin- in a weird way, like, it humanized her. It did, and the sincerity and the way that Sarah Michelle Gellar played the role yeah. really attaches the audience to her. It was and, really, almost more so than Julie. And I love that where it's just like in, in high school you have those, just those big dreams of, oh, this is everything I'm going to do. And yeah. then it's like, then life happens. Yeah, nothing of that happens. I mean, we've had so many different things in our life that was just the same way where it's like you plan and plan and plan and then like, nope, sorry. Yeah. And it was just like, it's, it, but I like that the Helen character did that and they did make her in a way likable. Uh, 
in a way where it's like when the killer was after you, you were like, oh, no, 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 please don't. Like, please don't. Yeah. Please Instead of like, oh, my God, just stab the bitch. Like, just get yeah. rid of her. Like, she is not needed. Yeah, I didn't feel that way at all. Whereas, yeah. like, compared to, like, Zombievers, where I was, like, itching for Zoe to die. <laughs> and she ended up being the final girl. I was like, yeah. what? Well, like, um, it, like when, when Barry dies, you kind of have that, like, oh, shit moment. Like, because the killer is behind him. And he's but not you're not really expected. sad to see him. No, you're like, oh, oh you're like, kind of expecting that it, it, that he's going to go. Because he's so terrible. Um, there's also the scene with Barry where he is in, uh, it's it's just before the parade. Um, they've just, Julie has just told the group about uh, the letter. They've gone to the docks to see Max and they've seen Ray. Um, Barry goes off and he is working out in this weird little gym i don't know it's like it was just this shitty little like boxing gym there was nothing fancy about it very this is very shitty and i mean i'm talking like for a a kid that had that you know comes from a family of with money the fact that he's not going to like a major gym i mean if they don't have like a major gym in their town that is a small ass town because this place it was like a fishing shack and the, like there was a part where you turned to me and you were like, "Was that a weight bench in the showers?" Yeah, there was in the locker room. There was like a weight bench, and, and I was like, "Maybe it's just extra heavy storage." Bag. And like, it's like no, it's like you could see the showers, the lockers, and then like in the same room is a weight bench and a and a big ass like punching bag, and then in like this other room like is all like the other like weights and and things like that. It was just like it's so tiny, and then like there's only one like one lone guy who looked like a fisherman, just hanging out, just he was working the yeah the check in counter. Yeah, it was, it was really bizarre. Um, one of the in in this getting into what happened with Tiberi here was is a good point. Like the killer was not. I kind of liked Ben at the end of the movie. Like he was very sinister. Like getting into the climax, he was very sinister. Um, he was there was some intensity there. But, like, he spent a good chunk of the time just kind of fucking with them for reasons I'm not sure why. Like, I don't know if it was just to get the audience going, like, as a as a warm-up or what. But, like, he literally runs Barry over with his own car. Yeah. Well, like, he... <laughs> like, so he's stalking throughout the... Like, so Barry is... You know, he's finishing his workout and he goes to, to shower and he feels like somebody's there. Like he hears noises and things like that. And he's the only one in this gym. And so then he like comes out and he you know meets the guy at the counter. He's like, you know, there's is there somebody here or whatever. And the guy's like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just an old fucker. And then like, <laughs> just and then, like that. Yeah. And then like Barry like, okay, well, goes back. And then he sees, isn't there like a, there's like a photo or something in his locker. There was a photo in his locker of his car. Um, it was a Polaroid, so it was taken, like, right then and there. And then his keys were missing. And he goes outside. Oh, his jacket. His jacket, his jacket was, missing. was missing. and had the keys inside. Yeah. Um, so he runs out to... He runs out to the car. And you hear it start to back up and peel out. And so he's chasing the car down. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you if I catch you kind of thing. And um, you see the brake lights come on. Car spins around, runs him down. And, like, but it just, he gets out, 
the fisherman gets out of the car and he's just like looking at Ben or Barry like on the ground and Barry's still cussing him out because tough guy going tough guy. And uh, he could have very easily just slit his throat or something. Yeah, he could have like, killed right him right there. there. But he walks away. Why? Like, you, would you fire like one warning shot? Like, what, yeah. are, what are you trying to accomplish like, here? You could have, it, it could have been very. Like, he killed Max right away. Yeah. He didn't fuck with Max. He just no, killed Mac, him. No, Max was a really cool scene. But, like, with, with the Barry scene, yeah, it's like they're trying to build suspense and they're trying to, like, get that, you know, get your adrenaline going. But, yeah, it's like it would have been easy for him just to either run him over with the car and make it a, a very satisfying kill because. Because irony. Yeah, because irony. Or it's like, yeah, he could have just stabbed him. He could have killed him, like, Something. right then and there. Yeah. And that would have been it. He didn't do it with Barry. He fucked with Julie a little bit too, um, you know, after Max was dead. And this one didn't make any sense at all. Like, Julie thinks she's being followed. She pulls over on her way to Helen's, I think. And, like, she hears a noise in her trunk. So she pulls off to go check it out and opens the trunk. And it's full of crabs, like, Blue crabs just as completely filling the trunk, and she sees Max's face sticking out of it. So she slams the trunk closed, goes to get help. Helen and Barry like come out with her. She opens the trunk again, it's empty. That's fucking impossible unless she's hallucinating. Like, you the killer can't. She's like, Well, she mu- he must have taken everything out then. And I'm like, there's no uh-huh. ice. There's no like, there's, yeah, nothing. There's a you have seafood. Well, granted, it's alive. But you have live seafood in your trunk with a body. There's going to be a smell. The carpet's going to be wet. There's going to be, like, blood. There's no stains, no nothing. Her trunk was pristine. Like, it never happened. And I'm like, that was dumb. Yeah. Um, But, like, (laughs) Max's death was, I felt really kind of, like, sad for him. Because... He's all, just couldn't get a he's break. Like, he's like he's just so pissed off because Barry just came over and, and just started you know just to fuck with him and he's just like you know what I'm just gonna get that fucker and then like his, the fish hook's gone and then he's just like looking around and he hears a noise and he like looks over and all of a sudden boom right through the top or like through the bottom of his chin he gets the fish hook and the guy and he just drags him and in, like into the ice and I'm like. He didn't even deserve it. Yeah. He didn't even, like, he was just, he didn't give a shit. Like, he wasn't even there that night. And it's like, he just happened to. Max was kind of a, cre- I thought Max was kind of a creep. But it did, I did feel bad because I was like, he didn't have anything to do with anything. He was just there to pad the body yeah, count. I'm he like, was that's the not only, cool. He was the only person that the killer but that's how you're took gonna, out. But that's how you're going to eliminate a potential suspect. Well, it's like, well, he's dead. He can't be the one who's killing everybody. Yeah, but that's stupid. Like, that that doesn't make any sense for the killer where it's like, unless I'm just, like, getting a practice kill in. It's like, or did he have a run-in with Max, too, later on? It's like, what what the hell know. happened? More, it's, like, it's a warm-up, I guess. Yeah, but it's like, it, like for the for Ben to, you know, the killer to go after the four kids because... He knows what they did last summer. And then... <laughs> Does he? But then, like, to sit there and go, oh, like, Max. He could have just grabbed the fish hook and just bounced. Left Max as he is. Wouldn't have made a difference. It's like, that was just for sheer... That was just body count. Fuck That's all. all it was. Yeah. And so, like, okay, so he's fucked. He just, he's, he did the same. He fucked with Helen, too. Like, he hid in her closet, and while she was sleeping, he cut her hair. 
and then the left. But, like, you're the most... There's two points during your day where you're you're most vulnerable. When you're sleeping and when you're pooping. And it's just kind of like... She was asleep. You couldn't just kill her in her sleep? Was that not a satisfying thing to do? Do you want to make her sweat first? Like, there's no purpose for him to do that. But he did it anyway. So she wakes up and she's got, like, clumps of hair around her where he's cut... Parts like just chunks of her hair off. Well, and, and what was hilarious is too is that like so she wakes up and she's freaking out because of her hair, but then like uh, the next scene is like she's got her hair like pinned up inside this hat, um, and it's like it's just one of those things where it's like it almost makes her feel like oh it's just a hideous mess and it's just like I can't do anything. It was and pretty then, bad. And then the next scene is her. Like on the, the the float, like all dolled up and everything like that, with her hair down, and I'm like, it she, doesn't look cut at all. She probably well, here's the thing: is she probably already had a hair appointment to get a, a blowout done? So no, but it's like, but the way that she was pulling chunks of her hair out, it's like you know, like how many times have we seen like people like go like, oh, I'm gonna cut my bangs, and they go snip right across, and it's like hard lines and it's like you know that would have happened with you can kind of assume she went and got it fixed she was gonna probably have her hair done for the parade anyway so while she was at the the style her stylist she probably went fix this please like it's not a big leap to say she went somewhere and got it fixed no that's not i'm not not saying that but at the same time like it's like when she was on the float, it didn't look any different. Like if she, like her hair wasn't like shorter or anything like that. Where it's like, okay, well we we got to really fix this because somebody yeah, but fucking. But he didn't did take, some work. He, the the fisherman didn't take chunks and like cut it two inches from her scalp. Like everything he cut was below shoulder length. So they cut her hair into a shoulder length. Well, at least he bone. was courteous. He wasn't that big of a dick. If, if he really, yeah. <laughs> He's such a polite killer. Like, yeah. he only fucked with her enough that it was fixable. Man, this girl, her split ends. Jesus Christ. Maybe he was just doing her a favor because her hair was overlong. I don't know. But, like, he took the time to fuck with people when they were at their most vulnerable. And it would have just been easy just to fucking kill him. Yeah. Just kill him. It didn't make sense for him to do that. Like, every slasher we know, it's like, if they see an opportunity, they're like, oh, I'm just going to fucking take it. I'm taking it. And he didn't do that. He's like, I'm going to mess with them for a while first, and then I'll kill them later. Yeah. Why would you do that? Um, and then it turns out, like, later on, we find out that, uh, like, well, so Julian and Helen are going to continue on with their Scooby-Doo investigation, and they go back to see Missy, because, and they're, they're taking one of the, the you know, uh, the school, like, yearbooks, and they want her to try and, like, point out the, the photo, you know, her brother in the photo to, to see, and, and also... Uh, was it the the Billy um, the Billy Blue the Billy yeah. Blue? Because she's like, well, the Billy Blue. If, if they're if he graduated with them, he would be in the yearbook. Yeah, and so they they go there, and uh, it's like Missy just kind of has this thing of like, you know what, just you know, just get off my lawn. Like you're just getting ridiculous. It's like, why are you asking me all these questions? Like my brother committed suicide. Uh, and she was, had the suicide note, so thankfully that was there. Yeah, and then then it turned out that. It was actually Ray. He's the he's Billy Blue. Like he also had the same thing where he figured out that it was you know Danny Danny Egan, and so he like after you know the, like everything was said and done, 
after he, you know, broken up with Julie. Uh, he just went to pay his respects because he thought it was Danny Egan that yeah, he and so, hit. Yeah, and then, then, like, he ended up, like, trying to figure out a little bit more about him. And that's when he got with uh, Missy for, their, for that little bit. But uh, Ray's boat is named Billy Blue. And so that's where like that came from. And that's where they're like, Julie started to put like two and two together where it's like, Oh no, it's you. Like you, like you yeah, did this. And that then, whole thing again, is just poorly done. Yeah. Um, but later on, that's when we ended up meeting Ben and, uh, he ends up take, uh, I forget how they, he gets her on the boat. All it was, was just like, she's running from Ray. Cause she's like, Ray, you're the killer. Um, she thought she figured it out. And then Ben was just a bystander. He was just there. And he's like, he sees Ray chasing Julie. He's like, get on my boat. You'll be safe kind of thing. And she believes him. She's like, okay. She has no reason not to. She doesn't know who this man is, but like, I'm going to help you. Okay, cool. I mean, she spent the entire movie being stalked by a killer. So why she would trust a random stranger is beyond me. Yeah. Um, but she did it anyway. She gets on the boat, and that's when she starts seeing like newspaper clippings and pictures of her and her friends on the wall, and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, for a guy who got hit by a, granted he got hit by a Beamer, but for a guy who got hit a year prior by a car, uh, he wasn't scarred up too bad. No, he had like one little etch like in his forehead. And of course, Julie doesn't recognize him because his face was blood. I mean, you get a small cut anywhere on the face or the head it bleeds like fucking crazy like if we're if watching rick flair has co- taught me anything is it doesn't take much no um but like you know it bleeds like crazy so he had the crimson mask deal going on when they saw him so she didn't recognize who he was and then he starts talking to her and that's when she starts putting the whole thing together and then she goes oh my god it's you and at this point he's it doesn't it doesn't work because ben's not he spent the whole movie chasing them down in the black slicker, the rain hat, the boots, the whole bit. And she just sees the the raincoat and stuff, like, on the boat. Now, mind you, she wasn't at the parade seeing all of the other fishermen in the same she has She has no idea. So she doesn't know. She just sees it, and she's like, wait a minute. And then she sees the guy, and he starts, Ben starts talking and giving clues and those sorts of things. And um, mm-hmm. That's when she's like, oh, I'm so fucked. So she's trying to run away on a boat that is slowly pulling out to sea. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? Like she's, well, she's trying to just get away. Like, she's just trying to just find a spot to, to hide. And, but she's and gonna... To, but on, on this man, this man, it's his boat. He, he lives, knows. He lives on... No. It's his work boat. It's a house. Like, he lives on it. He works on it. He knows every nook and cranny of that thing. And this boat, the hull, must have been gi-fucking-gantic. Because, like, she drops into, like, a fish storage area. And then she's running through, like, a galley underneath everything. And then there's this huge, like, warehouse-sized room filled with ice. And I'm like, how big is this fucking boat? Yeah. Because from the outside, it doesn't look that big. But I'm like, does it go full TARDIS when you walk in? It's just bigger on the inside? Like, what am I looking at here? It's a very deep... I mean, like, those boats are really big. Um, I just think that the, the it's film, not no, the filming of it was like, I think just to give like some space for filming, I think was, is why it felt like it was much bigger than what it, what it really was. Yeah. Um, because like, all like when they actually show the outside of the boat, like you could see where it's like got the really like ex- extended long, like, uh, net lines. Um, and so that, that means that it, I mean, it's a pretty good size boat. It's a good size boat, but it's not. Yeah. 
so big that it's like, not yacht size. You don't have a yeah. warehouse underneath your um, like in yeah. your hall. So it's, it's just silly. funny that like so she's trying to get away, and I mean, granted, yeah, I mean, there's really nothing you can do. Like it's not. Uh, I mean, you're you're going out to sea, but at the same time. If it was me, I would have tried to find a way off the side. I would have just jumped off and just went went swimming and tried. I'm taking to, my chances in the water too. I yeah, think. and because they weren't that far off shore, and for a boat that size to try and like pull pull away, turn around, and then have time to come back. To hit her. Especially it wasn't in going... The, in the, the dark. Especially because there was no speed to it, too. It was just starting to pull yeah. away from the dock. It, it's like, they're, like I mean, I've, I've been on those, you know, kind of larger boats, and it's like, it takes them quite a bit to, like, it's not just a quick turn and then yeah. there you go. And it's, a, like, it's going to take a little bit a of time. A muscle car, they ain't. No, and then that's where it's like, I think if she would have been able to find her way off the side of the boat early on, she probably could have made it to back to the docks or to the shore. Um, and then, you know, what it was, would have been able to get away. No, um, but one thing that struck me was, um, when, uh, Ray finally catches up with them and gets onto Ben's boat, um, is when Ben's like, you know, if you think you killed somebody, you should probably make sure that they're actually dead. And I was like, you know what? That's a fair bit of advice. It's good advice. Yeah, double tap. But he, like, at this point, like, he got his hand caught up in a rope and Ray yanks it and he gets pulled up to, like, up up the sail and up the mast. And, like, hands up, Ben ends up getting his hand cut off and then his body disappears. And there, Julie and Ray think he's dead. And I'm just, like, he disappears into the water. So I think he's dead. I'm like, y'all haven't learned shit, have you? He just, he literally just said, like, if you think someone's dead, make sure they're dead. And they're just like, oh, he fell in the water and had his hand cut off. He's totally done now. Yeah. Even the, the, the officers say that. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, like, we'll, we'll, we'll find the body at some point. And they're just like, oh, it's over. We're good. And it's just like, uh, no. And, oh, and also, too, I mean, I think it's, it was hilarious that the hand was still gripping the hook on the fishing net foreshadow for part two it did it did a really it's like the most obvious sequel setup i've ever seen yeah and like and i've and we've seen all the slashers we've seen just about all of them where it's like some of the there's real obvious ones and then it's like the studio's like no we'll actually kill this guy off and they have to make up some bullshit excuse to bring the character back but like this one's like wow you clearly had a sequel in mind and like when I say I liked Ben as a killer, I liked the killer at the end when he's not playing games, when he's not in the raincoat, when he's not doing any of that stuff. Like, Ben the man was far scarier than the dude in the raincoat. And it might have just been because it was tight quarters and Julie had nowhere to go, but he, every time Julie would turn, he would cut her off. Like, he could get her anywhere. And there was something really kind of tense about it's like you're on a fucking boat and you're trying to run away from a man like i'm on a boat bitch but it did have nice but it did have vibes of like jason takes manhattan where it's like where the fuck are you gonna go everybody look at me because i'm sailing on a boat <laughs> i got my flippy floppies um but yeah like 
it's weird because that last little scene where she's on like yeah as you said like in the close quarters area the the intense level is there um it doesn't really matter whether or not like he's a mass killer or you know what have you because it's like oh nope the killer is after her and there's nowhere for her really to go on a boat that is that is his own he knows every nook and cranny of that boat she does not so she doesn't and she's she doesn't really seem to be she's, that well versed in like fishing or like on boats yeah. or anything like that she's at an extreme she's disadvantage. a land lover yeah uh so i mean that that definitely puts a, a level of of intense on there and then when ray actually jumps on the boat he is a fisherman so he knows like what to do and and things like that and then like where to go um but it's it's the same thing like he's jumping on the boat with the killer and they're having to do yeah. that but the whole thing with like you know having him get caught up in the you know with the line and then like his hand getting cut off it's like and also too his hand gets cut off in the cleanest way possible oh yeah it's like a click like set like a complete sever and it's like the straightest line it's not raggedy at all no it's yeah. like man like that was like the cleanest cut so it's it was just yeah. it was really he funny. might as well have been cut with a heated blade for as clean yeah. as it was. But then like the the actual ending of the movie is is it does set it up for the next movie because uh, you know Julie is uh, in the shower she's back at school but she's actually like she's like I'm getting on the dean's list and yeah, it's she's just back like to normal. oh so it's like everything like uh, we're all good like so life is now back on track. I mean. She's got her boyfriend, like, he's writing, like, he's doing exactly what he it's, said. Isn't it amazing what closure will do for your yeah. mental health? But it's just, like, so, but, like, you know, her hair's looking good, like, she, her, you know, skin doesn't look all, like, she actually, like, you know. She looks I'm, like she's put a little yeah, bit of weight back on, like, like she's is, doing well. Yeah, like, you know, you know, she's got her groove back, but, like. So she's on the phone, uh, you know, with Ray, and she's like, "Oh, like, well, I'll just come see you in in New York, and you know, like, oh, you could you know, show me some of your writings, and like, oh, don't say that." Like, she's like getting really like they're, really they're cute, playful, see. and I was like, "Okay, like that's that's great," but then like uh, she's in the shower, and uh, oh, what was it like? Uh, she said that she was about to get in the shower, and then a letter got dropped, and it was um, uh, a friend of hers had dropped a letter, and it just said Julie James on. She kind of has that moment of like <gasps> yeah it's this, it's the same letter but it's just she opens yeah. it up it's just an invite to a sorority party that's yeah. all it is but when she turns around to go back in the shower on the steamy door it says i still know and that's the setup for yeah and then the yeah. killer jumps through the glass in the slicker yep and it's like oh okay like like uh, yeah okay fine you're you're setting it up for the next movie but is that the way you wanted to do it? That yeah. that was the final decision made. Was doing it that way. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah, you're gonna have the killer in a very public area during the daytime attack a girl, and then like, how is he getting out? Like, and like, she screamed her head off too. Yeah. Like when he was Wait, and there's people there. like on the other side of that door. Like, there's, in, in that room, it's like, they're not going to, like, yeah. come rushing in. She might have been alone in the shower room, but there was just, there's people everywhere. And, like, the whole, it didn't work. It really fell flat. And I think this is one of those movies that was really guilty of really relying more on the jump scare 
than on actual storytelling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you want to go ahead and give your skull rating yeah, on this? Yeah, I guess. Um, prior to rewatching this, I remember really liking this movie quite a lot. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was shortly out of high school, maybe. So it's been 20 years almost. Something like that. Uh, or I was in high school, I think I saw it. Um, I remember liking it a lot more. And then rewatching it, I was like, I still kind of like it. But it's a lot lamer than I remember. Um, it was very... I don't know. It just felt like it was trying too hard in some spots and not hard enough in others. I give this one like a two out of five skull. It's not great. It's watchable, but it's not one that I think I'm going to ever be in any real... Like if I had to... If someone's like, pick a slasher movie... It's not going to be this one. (laughs) It's definitely going to be at the bottom of the list. Um, It does the couple things right that we talked about. Helen's death was beautifully done. Like, that was probably the highlight of the entire movie was Helen's chase and then subsequent death. And then uh, the the climax with Julie on the boat, as silly as it was, I still think it was fairly well done. Um, Just because Ben was general, it was a very tense kind of thing with Ben. Um... But I think there's just too much silliness and too many things that fall flat and don't work for this movie to be any better than just sort of watchable. So it's just a two out of five for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I did not like this movie at all. Like, Have you seen it before? Was this the first uh, time you this, saw it? I remember watching this movie when it first came out and it's been so long that I forgot. You might as well have never seen it. I, yeah. I, for, I forgot all about it. And again, I think, I mean, I remember seeing this with, you know, a bunch you know, high school friends and things like that. So it's like whether I was paying attention or what have you, but yeah, I did not like this movie. It's, it had like, I think the only part that I really enjoyed was the Helen death scene it's like i i absolutely love sarah michelle geller and and freddie prince like i i really like them a lot and jennifer love hewitt oh like yeah she's great to look at but it's like i'm not a huge fan um so i mean they weren't bad in the movie whatsoever but nothing was like really driving me to like want to you weren't invested no i was more invested with helen because of all the stuff that we said where you know she's going in and like being like the super you know uh you know queen and then coming down and actually coming to like a human level and you know life has kind of hit her hard and she's realized that you know she's kind of she was actually pretty awful um so i i actually enjoyed that character but overall, it's like the story was just eh. Like I just I could not. It's a movie. I couldn't get into it. Like we it watched was, it. Yeah, I just I did not like it. It was just the whole thing of all the weird points in the story that we mentioned, where it just kind of didn't really make sense. I mean, I I enjoyed the you know, the campfire story where it kind of sets the audience member up to, you know, for the killer. But when it actually gets to the killer and 
the whole rain slicker thing and they're trying to set up this look for him and then they don't actually pay off with the look like it's just like oh he's an actual fisherman and it's just yeah he wasn't even wearing the garb when he killed no it's like it's like he could have been in literally anything it's like he didn't actually have to wear the rain slicker and it's and the whole thing of like how he just messed with people um instead of just killing them that was kind of interesting for him and then it was interesting in a a way of like i'm surprised that he even did it like it's it's there's no reason it's very dumb that he didn't just kill them so what's your skull rating um I'm giving this a one. Oof. Like it, it is a bad movie for our first go around. Like for the first of the year, I am. It's a one. Uh, I mean, we got good stuff coming up for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we do. But that was the thing. Was like this is not good. The the killer sucked, and the storyline kind of sucked. Yeah, it just was not this not is, very fun. This was one where. I don't know, man. Like, it felt like there was just padded. Yeah. Like, it, they, they were like, we don't have enough script and we need to make this movie longer. Yeah. It, and that's the thing is, like, it was kind of falling on the, the tail end of, like, that Scream era. This and, was just like, a year after Scream. So that's was, what I'm like, saying. So right like, in the mix No, but that's there. what I'm saying. It's like, it, it kind of was, like, riding the coattails of that area. It's kind of like with, like, when, uh, uh, was it, like, Paranormal Activity came out? It's like, all of a sudden, boom, all these, like found footage ghost movies yeah, came out. Yeah, it was the same like, thing with, like, um, not real, with Saw, kind of, more with, it was more hostile that caused the torture porn boom, and then there yeah. was, like, the rash of remakes, because the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did really well, and it's like, one movie does well, and so there's a ton piggybacking on well, it. Well, and a lot of, like, the, you know, movie industry, like, execs and things like that, yeah. they, that's what they, that's what they see. They, they sit there and go, well, okay, well, this demographic is doing really well, so let's continue on with it, like, yeah, let's just, the yeah. Drive. But, like, well, I mean, this movie made a lot of money it made back like eight times yeah. its budget i mean and that i mean i'm not to say that like it's one of those movies that you should at least watch once because it is one of those like iconic like oh i still know what you did um and then you know like the whole thing of like 90s nostalgia too. yeah it's one of those watch it at least once like i've always you know i try to say that it's like even if you don't like it you know something that i don't like at least i know that i've watched it once and i can actually give it like i'm not just brushing it off and things like that but it's one of those like as i'm watching this whole thing i'm like it's not it's not giving me anything that i actually like and to be honest like ben i did not like him in at all throughout the as the killer i didn't like him in the rain slicker i didn't like him on the boat like it was just he didn't do anything for me and that's fine yeah i mean the scene itself where she's on the boat was intense but him as the killer is like eh okay great like yeah this was uh unfortunately um this is, movie is going to be a case of very it goes in the very forgettable bin um it's a week from now we're going to be like yeah, we did. We did watch that. Yeah, this I is, don't remember anything about it though. This is a dollar bin at, at Walmart, for sure. Ouch. Um, but like there was a, and it and it's, it's really tough because, it it is it's an iconic movie, but it's one of those like it's but like why yeah it's it's because it came around that that scream time. I'm I'm gonna re repreface it. If you like the movie, love the movie. Like it's it's just like. 
doesn't matter what we say. It's like these are all of our own opinions. Like you could, you know, have love this movie, and that is all all in you. We're not gonna like sit there and, and sway you on it. This is just our our feeling on it. Um, but it's one of those movies where I saw a lot of reviews. And for once, I actually agree with those reviews. <laughs> and like, and I try not to do that at all. Yeah, so it's like, oh, it, okay. Yeah, this is a it's a '90s horror movie. It falls flat. It's riding the coattails of Scream. Um, the novel it's actually based on is really good. I remember reading it uh, in my twenties, and I liked it. I liked the novel um, actually quite a lot more than I liked the the movie. It's a teen. Uh, it's like a young adult teen novel kind of thing um but yeah this is just cashing in on the teen horror craze that was having its resurgence in the mid to late 90s and it died down eventually in the early 2000s because of the torture porn the rise of that um but yeah okay so two for me <laughs> i was a little kinder to it than you were no and and i and i really <laughs> try to think about it and it's like do i like how do i feel about this movie and it's like nope it's a one. No, sir. I, I not, don't like it. I not like it. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so two for me, a one from Lunchbox. Um, so that ends our first episode of our Summer of Blood series. Uh, join us next Tuesday for the next one. And you'll have that episode if you subscribe uh, immediately in your favorite podcatcher that Tuesday. Um, also, like, share, comment. We appreciate any and all five-star reviews. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um... If you want to get us on the social media, Facebook and Instagram at Creepin' It Real, R-E-E-L is a movie real, uh, send us an email if you want to participate a little more. Um, Craig's really good about uh, responding and reading them. He's a little bit better about it than I am because I'm not super on top of my emails and stuff. I'm but... just attached to my phone 24-7. So. Right, you're that guy. Yeah. Uh, creepinitreal.cm at gmail.com. And then, of course, we always encourage you to go ahead and buy some merch. Rep us real hard. Uh creepinitreal.rybubble.com um, sticker on your car, t-shirt on your back uh, notebook in your backpack at school. Um, we appreciate all of that, uh, you guys. Because we can't do this podcast without you. So thank you so much for listening um, and for joining us every week while we take a look at some some weird shit. Uh, and yeah, so until next week, I've been Meg. I've been Lunchbox. And for Christ's sake, don't drink and drive. <laughs>